Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. My name is Kirsty Rice and I've been on the move all oh, for over 20 years. My podcast partner in crime is fellow Aussie Nikki Moffat. And between us, we've lived in, you ready for it? Indonesia, Malaysia, Libya, Hong Kong, South Africa, Canada, the US, Qatar, Germany, and Denmark. I've given birth in four different countries, haphazardly leaving placentas wherever I go. And Nikki has ran marathons in New York, climbed mountains in Killy, and successfully avoided the PTA until very recently. <laughs> uh, we've both managed careers in the office and online. We don't consider ourselves to be experts in the land of expat, which is why we continue to get lost and stuff it up. But that's why we're here. We know how important it is to have your tribe while you travel. And we hope that our weekly chats with expats from around the world will help you feel right at home. If you're new here, come and join our Facebook group. We have over 30,000 members. It was 33 when I looked yesterday in the Fatterati Now, and it's the place to find out everything you need to know about your next move. Nikki Moffat, are you still with me after that 10-minute intro? How are you? <laughs> I am fine. Thank you, Kirsty Rice. I'm with you and I got a giggle and I like your intros. I like you mixing it up. I think people that fast forward it, they really miss out. Now, Nikki Moffat, I've seen your Insta recently. I believe you've been hanging out with the princesses. Tell me a little bit oh, about the that. the princesses. Yeah. Kath Cambridge, Mares and I, we just had a little meet up the other day, just a bit of a meet cute. I just strolled up to the palace on my bike, got off, and then I saw them walking across the courtyard, so I took a quick vid. And I took a quick vid with no one between me and them because that's how it is in Denmark. No one really turns up when there's exciting royals in town. Uh, I met my friend Kerry, Kerry, Kerry the Kiwi, who we've talked about recently in the podcast. She became a bit of a TV star that day, interviewed by a few channels because she was holding some flags and she was interviewed by Danish TV and by international TV stations who were in town. Fantastic. Very keen to, to get reactions and all the Danes just left. As soon as the women walked across the courtyard, the Danes went, well, that's over. And off they went. <laughs> so all the TV stations were trying to find someone, but luckily Kerry was right there. After that, Kerry and I went to a little cafe close by to talk about our brush with royalty. And we happened to be sitting next to someone who turned out to be a German royal reporter, which was a blast. I tell you, she was one of the most outgoing Germans I've ever met. <laughs> and she had all sorts of insights on the British press pack and the melee and the, yeah. the photographers. She showed us bruises on her legs from being pushed around by the all-male, which I actually had noticed they were all-male, but the all-male photographer pack. And, uh, yeah, no, we had a really great, great catch-up with her. And then on top of that, my Instagram stories went viral because I was uh, reposted <laughs> by a very famous royal uh, commenter in the U.S. So I just had just a fun, fun couple of hours laughing my head off and spending time catching up with a, a new friends. And it just, it was just all the things coming together just made me really, really, it's going to be memorable. It's going to be one of my top 10 Danish highlights, I'm sure. Yeah. And the thing I like about it the most, Nikki Moffat, is I think your move to Copenhagen has been really affected by um, COVID, even though you live in a COVID-free Copenhagen as Of course, COVID-free. <laughs> but it has made your move to do those sort of things really difficult. And I just think that day, you know, 
as great as it was that you saw uh, Princess Catherine and um, Princess Mary for those Americans that are like, hold it, which one's Kath? Kath. <laughs> I think what was really lovely was you you were out with a new friend having fun and discovering and just, you know, enjoying. That's that's the whole thing about expat life, isn't it, is is doing something so out of the ordinary with a new friend and just meeting people. I would never have people. done that anywhere else. Yeah. It's just that yep. I lived here. Like yep. I just would never have done that. It was just one of those, I live here, I saw it, I'm just, we just arranged yep. to meet and then we had it had a catch up and it Brilliant. was just lovely. Yeah, love it. lots of laughter. But Kirsty, 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 <laughs> let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you because you are in Doha. Doha. I am, and it's amazing. I, I oh look, lots of people have asked, "What's it like to be back?" Uh, I'm in a very different Doha. I'm in a very different Doha than the Doha that I left, mainly because we now live in a different house. We, well, we don't even have a house. We live in an apartment now, which as a mother of four would never have happened in our previous Doha life. But everything is different in Doha. And because the crazy thing about Doha is because of the World Cup and they've, they've had to get, um, pardon my language but they just still had to get shit done and so there's been so much construction and so much growth and uh, so much that's happened which I think most countries the opposite would have happened you know over the last couple of years of COVID a lot of things shut down but they have had to by necessity so uh, arriving back, uh, the landscape looks completely different, but there's been new tech developments in our now have tap and go, which I never, ever had. And Nikki, I remember you saying that they brought that in in Germany through necessity as oh, well. Oh, yes, yeah. Germany, big cash economy, big cash economy. Went there and was like, why do I have to have money for everything? Like some shops would say, we don't take cards, we don't take anything. But yeah. now it's the, it's the magic of tap and go and over the yeah. pandemic, German banks have issued all new cards with chips and also you can use Apple Pay and Google Pay, which did not exist pre-pandemic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Doha, very much the same, very much cash economy. Mm. And, um, but I remember I used to go to the supermarket and get so frustrated because you could see the little Wi-Fi bar on, on your debit card and you could see it on their machine, but still you had to push <laughs> it in and it. put the numbers and I'd be saying, ah, why do I have to do it? I mean, it's such a stupid thing to be worried about, but it did, you know, over time I was thinking, why do we have all the stuff there that we can do it, but you're not letting me do it. Anyway, now <laughs> I can do it. I'm tapping and going everywhere I go. But Nikki, I think maybe the biggest thing for me, and I feel a bit stupid saying this, but I, I, I wonder if this happens to lots of people in their expat lives too, with the whole moving back and forth between places, is I think I, while I was, I was stuck in Australia, I couldn't get back here to G, but the longer I stayed, I think the more you dig in your roots of she was the kid, how are the kids going to go when I have to leave and I really need to be here because who would do this and who would do that and how would this work and how would that work? And I think I had real lock on about just my role with the family and uh, while I was in Australia and coming back here and seeing G and seeing how he lives, it's really sort of cemented for me that I need to be available to him 
more here. You know, we are a couple and, you know, we've talked about this before that I had, we have always said as a couple that no matter what, we would stay together. And if the kids needed to go to places, we would facilitate that for the kids, but we had to be together. We were never going to be one of those families where mum left with the kids and dad flew in and flew out. And, but because of COVID, we became those people. Um, but it made me realize when I got back here, because I think I've looked at his life going, this is his life so easy. You know, he has help. He has people that cook him dinners and wash his floors and do his ironing and do all of those things. And when you're back with, you know, a five bedroom house to manage and you're doing it all and you're cleaning the bathrooms and washing the toilets and doing the kids and doing whatever, I stupidly uh, looked at his life and went, oh, he's just got it easy. And I've realized when I've got back, it's been really, really tough for him. And um, it, I think incredibly lonely at times to be here and be in the apartment block. And I've seen he's made new friends without me and I've met them and I can see this genuine warmth that they have for him uh, because I think, <laughs> I was going to say, they they're a little bit cold towards you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're cursy. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for coming. You're the one that left your husband <laughs> to, to deal with all of this on his own. Do you know? <laughs> um, but it was one thing that really got me in the feels, and that was, you know, Helen, who's worked with us for years. You know, when, when Helen arrived here, uh, we basically stood in the hallway and hugged and cried for, you know, maybe a good five to ten minutes. Mm. Like it was really I just couldn't get myself together and and she was um, the same. Like it was an incredibly emotional thing. But when we sat down to sort of talk about, you know, the last couple of years and what we've been through and, you know, she misses the kids so much and which kills me. But um she was talking about the day that the people came to get all of our pot plants at our old house because G mm-hmm. didn't wasn't sure about how it would work in the apartments. And we had lots and lots of pots and plants, yes. you know, because we've been there. Well, because you made the outdoor area as well and yes. did the outdoor cinema. We did. <laughs> we did. And um, Helen said to me, oh, because um, she calls me mum. And she calls yeah. Greg dad and she said, oh, mum, you know, the day when the truck came and, and it took all the plants and dad was crying and I was just like, oh, and all I could think was, what did I say to him that day on in the family WhatsApp chat? Do you know, because did I get, could, I remember. Did you get rid of all those plants? Yeah. Did they take them all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, thank God they're gone. Um. <laughs> which isn't the case because I'd really like to have them now in the apartment, but I don't dare say that. But um, I remember in the WhatsApp chat, he posted a picture and I'm sure, I I don't even want to go back and look because I'm sure I would have said something so meaningful like, oh, wow, do you know, or (laughs) gee, we had a lot, didn't we? Do you know, like, and the kids would have, wouldn't have even, I think, acknowledged it because, they would have just gone, oh, there's a whole lot of pot plants on the back of the truck. So there's that stuff that you miss when you're apart and you go, wow, I had no idea. And, of course, it would have made him incredibly – packing up that house would have been incredibly hard. But anyway, I am back. I'm only back for a little while and then I'm back to Australia to get back to work because I'm rostered on for all of um, <laughs> April. And that is because Greg is coming back to Australia for April, May because we've got um, Easter and then he's got uh, Eid after Ramadan. 
So, yes, but Nikki, it is so, so good to be back in Doha. I feel like I'm on this exotic holiday because I'm not cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> and, Might encourage you to spend a little bit more time there, Kirsty. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, okay, Nikki, we always start with a game of would you, could you. Um, and this seems so old and it's only a question that I came up with two weeks ago and it was just before I was flying back here and I was going to ask you, Nikki, would you or could you choose which city you were going to fly through, that's hard to say, which city to fly through to get home, home being your passport country. Uh, If your options were either Dubai or Singapore, which one would you choose in regards to COVID paperwork requirements? Well, I think Singapore does not love flights from Denmark right now. And uh, I think you can't use the transit facilities. And Singapore is one of my favourite airports. I, I really rate Singapore Airport. And I was saying to someone this week that I've never been to Singapore Airport and not run into someone I know yes. in the airport <laughs> ever. I think that might and, be a particularly um, Australian thing too, isn't it? It might yeah. be, yes, because Australia does tra- transit. But also when I was in Hong Kong and I would work, travel for work a lot, I would oh, transit yes. through Singapore and there would be, I would never not run into someone I knew. Um, our options from here, if we're looking at the most direct route to Australia, are Singapore, Dubai and Qatar. And Dubai is okay for me. I mean, we've done it more than once since we've been in Europe. I've never been to Qatar. I had an aborted trip there once, but I didn't end up going. But So, Nikki, um, hold on. I just want to go back. Did you say that you can't transit through Singapore at the moment? No, we can transit, but you can't use the facility. So you're just uh, taken to a corner of the airport where there's a group of chairs and apparently a couple of vending machines. And Now, yeah. that changes by the day. Yes. Now, whenever you're listening to this, you could be yelling out saying, that's not true anymore. And it could not be true anymore when you're listening. Yeah. But at the time of research for this recording, that yes. was the situation. <laughs> yes. And we had the same here. When I flew here from uh, Australia, Australia was a red country. And that was on the Tuesday. It was a red country. And by the Friday, it wasn't. <laughs> It was no longer a red country. So when you flew in on the Tuesday, you had to do two days quarantine and, you know, do your PCR and your RAT. But, yeah, don't need to do that anymore. You can come straight in. We only have seven countries on the red country as listed as red countries at the moment. Is Denmark one of them? I bet it is. (laughs) Do you know, I don't know if it is. I know Jordan was one of them. Um, Yes. Anyway, continue. No, so what about you? So I, I would, I mean, I would choose Singapore or Dubai, but I would choose Dubai at the moment because that's the most direct way and I know I can use the airport. Yes, yes. And that's where I will be going in two weeks today. Oh, is that two weeks away? Oh, wow. Um, Yes, well, I think this is the whole thing. You know, when we moved to Qatar, one of the biggest excitements was the possibility that there would just be a direct flight. When we oh, when we first moved, there was the Lord when yes. it's direct flight. Yes, and it makes such a massive difference, and particularly mm. now, even more so uh, with COVID. But um, uh, yes, so if I was heading to your part of the world, I, obviously I'm always going to pick Qatar because I want going to want to use those points and fly through and whatever but yeah I'm not going to want to sit in the corner of a room in Singapore that's for sure 
especially when you know what's out there. Yes. <laughs> I wonder too, Nikki, how much of our thought changes. You know, I'm yet to get COVID, you're yet to get COVID, but we are surrounded by people that have had COVID. I wonder how much changes in thought too, like whether you go or um, you'd look at, you know, the levels there and how long you'd stay and what you'd do and, you know, what the numbers were and and the rest of it. All right. So, Kirsty, I would say uh, would you, could you wear a mask on a long-haul flight? Obviously, that's a requirement at the moment. But if you were, which one would it be? And which one did you wear the other day? <laughs> yes. So I had an N95, but I think it – I look, from what I could see – there were all sorts of different ones. Um, now, he, here's the thing. I flew up the front of the uh, the plane, which I don't usually do, but I, I, um, I had... Special a, treat for your return to <laughs> Yeah, it was a special treat. And I'd, I'd kind of injured myself a little bit. And so mm. I, was, I, I was granted the flight up the front because I wasn't good on my feet. So I did have the N95 and, you know, I remember like every time Greg would be flying to and from, I'd be saying, don't you take that mask off and you be really careful the whole time and whatever. Well, I have to say I I got down, the champagne came out, came out, the mask came off and I didn't, I don't think I put it back on again (laughs) until I I think I put it on to go to the toilet, but I really couldn't be sure after I'd had the glass of champagne, the glass of white wine and the glass of red wine. It's all a mystery to me. I just know I woke up snoring very loudly. (laughs) Okay, so I did put the call out to um, the Fatterati and they talked about different airlines had mandatory uh, use. I think someone said... Maybe Emirates said an FFP2 and red, you know, regular medical masks were provided and that they didn't let you uh, use cloth masks. So that might be something to be aware of if you're a person that has an array of, you know, 20 different cloth masks. You might get told so, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird to me that cloth masks are a thing yeah. still at all, right? Yeah. So Europe got rid of cloth masks uh, 18 months ago. My social media photos were me in a cloth mask on a train and I was looking at it going, Why, when did I do that? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like just, but I, I see people now all the time wearing cloth masks and I'm yes. like, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same. Anyway, uh, so I think the European name is an N95. But then some of them have box names on them that are FFP2. So if yeah, that's in Europe too. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and you can also get KF94. Uh, someone very good said they wore and slept in an N95. And yeah, I oh, you know, fourteen hour flights with your mask on the whole time with that beak because mm. mine was can't a, wait oh can't wait I know <laughs> and so I think I think the answer is you've just got to try them all out to indicate to find the one that's most comfortable because I found with my N95 they were not comfortable around the ears um, no, they feel like they've got shorter ears, yes. loopholes and yes. all the other masks. And you and I are both women that have decent-sized <laughs> heads yes. and quite a bit of hair. So, yeah, I, I found they just did not stay on my ears as well as I wanted them to. The basic medical, you know, 
mask I think works for me and just get a few different colors I just hate what it does to the environment um someone said they did homemade pure silk masks but they had three layers I don't know could you do your medical mask with your cloth one over the top I don't know. I, I don't know which way it works, which, which how that would work. But I just, I, I know that airlines do mandate a type of mask that you have to have. And then if you want to wear a, a higher level of protection than that, like that's on you. Obviously, you still see the people in the zip up suits, Breaking Bad style with the yes. whole thing going on over the clothing and then the visor and the, yes. and the, and the work. So I guess it's just a matter of what, and I guess I'm going to be on Amazon this week because obviously we don't have any masks anymore in Denmark. Yes. And uh, I'm going to, to Germany again. So I might have a look when I'm down there and just see what kind of masks we can buy. Cause my son and I will both have to wear them obviously the whole way. And it's a good 24-hour journey mm. and it's two flights. One's eight hours and one's 14 and then there's three hours in Dubai Airport in the meantime. So that's, that'll oh. be the whole thing. Have you, heard so, of, have you heard of copper mask? I had not heard of copper mask. This was quite an interesting, yeah, intriguing. So one of the Fanarati wrote that you have a copper, copper mask, a copper wound into the clothing and it kills bacteria on the outside as well as a thick sort of filter on the inside. Um, and that they test the same as the FFP3s. You can still breathe easily, although if you eat cheese and put it back on, you can smell cheese on your breath. Yes, and I tell you, 14 hours on the flight after a a lovely three-course meal and three glasses of wine, the breath is not pleasant. Um, No, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm feeling that I might not be eating or drinking on the plane, but we'll have to see. Yes, but I'm interested in the... um, uh, I think it's called the Copper Clothing Company because someone else jumped in and they seconded the copper mask and they said mm-hmm. they wear one at work and they wear one when they have to be in public spaces and that they were far more comfortable. I think, Nikki, you've got to look look these guys up. So there was a lot of people saying the surgical masks, the FFP2s, but I think I was most interested in the copper masks because they, they, they did get a lot of ticks. Great. Okay. Good to know. Nikki, moving on to this week's ep. I oh, I wish we had l- even longer to talk about this. Uh, but so when we did our love stories episode where we had all the beautiful people that um, gave us the messages of their relationships and their love stories and how they met and where they'd gone and how they'd got together and what had kept them together and it was beautiful. And But we also thought we wanted to tell both sides of the story of when um, when it doesn't go well and when it's not great. So we have two people to talk to today. So one is uh, the story of young love, I guess, and wanting, you know, meeting someone and wanting it to work out and moving countries and uh, placing hope. So uh, shall we have a listen to that one first, Nikki? And I met a German guy whom I completely fell in love with. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, we spent our vacation time together, and when it was over, he flew to um, to Germany, and I flew to Sydney. And I realized I really wanted him in my life, and I invited him to come visit me to Australia. Um, he didn't necessarily uh, think the, tic- the tickets were uh, cheap enough. So 
Uh, in that, during that winter, I flew to Moscow uh, to celebrate Christmas, and then I flew to Berlin, at which point he came to meet me. And I completely fell in love with him all over again. Um, he lived in Bavaria, so um, one evening while sitting in Bavaria, I opened my email and I get this attachment of a company offering me a job. So I had been trying to move to Germany uh, prior two years and it hadn't happened. So I was completely excited and I flew back to, um, to Sydney, basically just rearranged everything so that I could just move to Berlin. One, because I thought, okay, um, it's a new expat experience for me in a place I wanted to move to. And there's a special someone I really want to connect with. Um, so I moved to Berlin in the spring of 2019. It didn't necessarily work out um, in terms of distance. He lived in Bavaria. I lived in Berlin. There was a lot of traveling, a lot of going back and forth. And he happened to be traveling to San Francisco just for vacation. He met my sister, he sent me a picture, and suddenly, like, around midnight, I end up getting a replica of text messages, and, um, yeah, well, <laughs> he cheated on me. So, that was the end of it, and I felt really stupid, thinking, God, I've moved everywhere just to be with this person, and I was completely heartbroken. We all do a lot of things for love, this is one of the ones I did, and it meant that I had all of my luggage through San Francisco, uh, Sydney, uh, Berlin, London, Heathrow, <laughs> too much. And I think only expats would understand the pain of that for chasing one guy. It's funny because when I heard this, um, this very last bit in the last podcast about this love story, and how you, when you're like 30 or 40, everything just seems possible. That was exactly the, the frame of mind I had at that moment that it didn't matter all the visa applications, all the money spent, all the police clearances, all of that fingerprints. Um, I just followed my heart <laughs> and I'm not sure that I would do that again. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? It's it's inspiring, you know, to do all those things and to want to change countries and learn languages. And I guess it doesn't always, you know, turn out the best. But, you know, what an amazing thing that she did, all those things. <laughs> yeah, but it's also the unfaithfulness is always a lovely one when you've got distance oh. between you, isn't it? What a creep. Especially when they're staying with your sister. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think all of those details need to be written down and remembered for the next time. Do you know? Unfortunately, I kissed a lot of frogs, and I was lucky. But then you got your prince. Then and I you got... married him like just like that. <laughs> I did, but I reckon that's how I knew he was a good one because I'd kissed a lot of frogs, and I knew, yep, you're a good one because I've met a lot of bad ones, and you're a good one. But you need to remember these things, don't you? But it's just so much harder if if you're in different countries. Like you can't do that same courtship and gauging of people, or or sort of. You don't have all those markers, do you, of, oh, yeah. hang on, you're into that. I'm not really sure if that's, even when someone speaks with a different accent, you know, when we're all speaking the same uh, language with the same accent, we can pick up so many tips of where 
inflections in tone and and what people were saying and oh I don't know if I really quite liked the way you expressed that you know are you being sexist are you being racist or are you being you know you you miss a lot of that when you're you have different languages and different you know countries and ideas so yeah oh look um I, I really appreciate um, that we got to hear the story because I think yes. I think it's good to remember for those of us that have been in long-term relationships that it's not all rosy. Okay, Nikki, the next one is really, really uh, sort of close to my heart at the moment in that I've been doing a lot of soul searching and thinking about women who are around my age or younger that uh, find themselves, you know, we've had a lot of people in the fat expats group who've used the term stuck or uh, resentful or wondering, you know, what it was all about because maybe their children had got to a certain age and they were, you know, about to fly the coop and they've watched their partner's career just get bigger, better, faster. And they've started to wonder, oh, um, what was that all about? And, and, we had just the, the best uh, call come through uh, from Uli who shared her story and I think this is so, so important and particularly her advice at the end. So let's listen to I'm Uli. I was born in Germany, um, grew up there. I met in Germany my then boyfriend that later on became my husband I was head over heels. We transferred my studies over to the UK and I finished here. Um, life was pretty good. Uh, I started working at the time as a customer services representative and then became a manager um, early on. Um, but after two years, um, I had my first daughter. And so I took a little break from working. Went back to university to study to become a teacher uh, for an extra year at university but halfway through that year my husband got a job opportunity in the Netherlands Um, so we embarked on our expat journey. I didn't work in the Netherlands because of the language barrier and we had our second daughter there so I was now full-time mum, stay-at-home parent which was both our decision. My, uh, My husband worked um, in an international company. So we moved around quite a bit. We've been to the Netherlands uh, twice. We were in the UK in a couple of different places and then emigrated to Australia to start a new life um, down under. We all became Australian. And this is really, at the time, was when sort of our troubles started. My husband was unfaithful, um, had an affair, And uh, after talking about it, we decided to give it another go. I sort of forgave him and was working on my um, trust issues that I had um, after that. But everything was working really well. We moved back to the Netherlands for another career opportunity for my husband. Again, uh, no way I could work then, so... I thought that the ship had sailed for me as well. Um, so after staying in the Netherlands for four years, which probably was some of the best years um, 
I thought we had together. Um, our kids were happy in the Netherlands. Um, it was a fantastic way of living. Um, I can thoroughly recommend it to anybody as, you know, an expat stop not to be missed. Um, I loved my life there. We, I, I was volunteering a lot. I was engaged in my kids' school. Um, I had lots and lots of expat friends. It was fabulous. Um, in 2019, he got a job offer in the UK, um, a nice promotion again. So um, we moved here and I thought, okay, this is now where we might settle um, almost immediately. My husband decided to be with somebody else and I found out that six months later, stumbled across something and um, it sort of all fell apart. Came completely out of the blue for me, to be honest, because we had been talking all the time, but unbeknownst to me, he just wasn't sharing his true feelings. So I found myself just before COVID started in the situation where I was on my own with my two kids in this country. I was dependent on my husband's salary. I was on a spousal visa and I knew I had to restart my life. So I thought, what, you know, what can I do? <laughs> I applied to be um, a midwife and um, applied to university was rejected because of my visa status um, so that was sort of the first hurdle to cross in the meantime um, I was uh, getting the divorce started um, that happened all pretty quick and we were very amicable and amenable um, with the plans that we had made and, and I thought I was going to be super secure for a year we sort of plodded along like that while there was lots of delays with COVID in the courts. So um, after a year, it sort of all fell apart again because my husband decided to just go a completely different route. He was now with another family that he wanted to support um, and felt that he didn't want to honour our agreement. So um, that's that's where I'm at now. I feel... Um, quite insecure. Um, I don't have job security. Um, I don't have, you know, security in this country or let alone Europe because I'm now um, just Australian. Um, I had to give up my German citizenship. So I'm here on a, on a visa that's linked to my kids now because they are British. And I just had to, you know, just on the eve of being 50, had to restart all over again. But I have to say, life is good. Being an expat, not having family here, um, being in my husband's country, um, it was difficult to start with because we had only just arrived, so I had no close friends. Um, I, I made some close, fast friends um, as soon as I separated because I needed some sort of support network. And I found it a challenge because the expert community in my, you know, international women's club, etc. I was one of very few um, women not in a relationship. Found a couple of other uh, women in exactly the same position. We, we got together, we decided um, we can't be the only ones. Um, this must be an issue for some other expats as well, particularly when you don't have a support network around you. So, um, we actually started a little sort of side 
branch in our um, international club. Um, we opened a group called Flying Solo, which is for women who are single due to either separation, divorce, uh, being widowed, or uh, simply choosing uh, not to be with somebody else, as we felt we needed to have kinship and friendship and support from others without intruding on, you know, our friends' happily married family life at the weekends. If I could go back and do something differently, I would be less dependent. I find myself in a situation where I'm financially completely dependent on somebody else with, you know, no career, which is really difficult. Um, I'm, a, I'm a strong woman. I was, you know, intelligent. I went to university, but I gave it all up for my husband's career and my kids. And if I could do it all over again, I would never give up my job completely. I would find another solution and stay less dependent because being in a situation where you feel completely secure to the floor being ripped from under you and you having no security whatsoever is really gut-wrenching. But I'm getting through it. I love being single now, uh, I have to say. I have no plans to ever be in a relationship again at the moment. <laughs> I've got my girls who are my rocks, so just hope that maybe this... Um, will help somebody else out. Just know that you're not alone. There are others out there who are in the same position. You just need to find them and be strong again. Yeah, so long-term listeners of Two Fat Expats will remember Uli from the when we used to do our alphabet series and she was, W is for Vasana when she lived in the Netherlands yes. before her life was about to change in ways that she didn't really realize. Yeah. And we talked about that when she sent me the me this message. She said, you know, it was so amazing and I loved my life then and I, and I like my life now, but I had no idea what was about to happen. So yeah. that was, you know, and, and that's it. Like in the time space that we've had this podcast and we've been talking, her life has changed so dramatically as so many people's have for, for differing reasons. The way that she said all those things, which are things we've said before on the podcast so many times, but the reality of doing them is actually a lot harder than the saying them. Yes. The saying them is is the easy part. You know, yeah. you should never give up your career. You should never, you know, let yourself feel this way. It's really easy to say that. But then, you know, I moved to South Africa where the unemployment rate was over 40% and I could not get a visa. I could not have had a job. And even to volunteer, sometimes you're not allowed to do that in some countries. So, you know, we do, while we say we 100% support that, we do acknowledge that it is easier to say it yes. than to, to actually do it all the time. But in terms of creating the community that she's done, so she's done, right, well, I need to create my own community here because I'm feeling that this is what needs to happen. What an amazing thing to lift others and support them as she also needs the support along the way. I just thought I just so many things I loved about it. Yeah. I, I know I know you did too. Oh, abso absolutely loved it. Um, when she says, what would have I done differently? 
And yeah, same thing, Nikki. You know, I was pregnant when I arrived in Jakarta and um, I can remember sort of, you know, that that was fine because I was really tied up with that first year of motherhood and I got to KL, I had another baby, but I remember thinking, oh, you know what, there's a, because I worked for an international sort of recruiting firm and they had an office in Kuala Lumpur and I remember thinking, oh, well, I've worked in sort of three different areas for that company in, and so I could pick up anything and uh, rang them oh, no, we don't, we don't do part-time work. We only do – it's either full-time or it's nothing. And there was, <laughs> there was no space in between. You know, there was no flexible workforce. And it was an era in – and people my age will remember this. I don't know if they still do this in um, Malaysia and Indonesia, but you would read job ads and they would say, needs to be female, needs to be under the age of 30 and needs to be pretty. Like it's just – was like what um so yeah and I think it's so exactly what you said I mean when you went when I went to Libya there wasn't a there there were a lot of international recruitment firms around and I was yet to be a writer um and I had yet another baby and then Canada yet another baby but I did have that moment where I thought oh if if I'm getting back in, I've got to do it right now we have to make this work because I'm right on that cusp of I won't go back to this again. And I've seen many friends in my home country that had that happen to them. They worked, they had great jobs. You know, Nikki, you and I were talking about this earlier. I was saying I met some really inspiring women uh, yesterday. I uh, went and did a talk for a group here in Doha and uh, they talked about not being able to be teachers in Qatar because they were over 50, which is something I had no idea about. So how it works in Qatar is if you're a teacher and you have you have a job and you're 48, 49, that's fine. You can keep working. You're, you're absolutely fine. But if you arrive after the age of 50, you cannot get a job as a woman over 50. So both of these women were incredibly talented women who had years of experience and were told sorry you're too old and one of them was telling me you know at a time when you're facing menopause and children of a certain age getting told you're too old could really send you around the bend like when Mm. it doesn't do good things for you it doesn't do good things for you um, and the ridiculousness of 49, okay, uh, 50, no. 50, no. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, both of them, one of them has a brilliant idea, which I, I, I won't share just because I want. she might want to keep it quiet until she's done it and doesn't want anyone else to take it. But I think it's absolutely brilliant. And maybe I'll come back in six months and say when she's doing it. Um, and the other one has followed a passion. Uh, she was a seamstress. It was one of her things that she loved doing when she was younger was sewing and doing whatever. And so she has started her own business in her apartment and that's what she does and she loves it and, um, you know, she's found her thing. But, yes, I think maybe, like you said, we need to acknowledge it's not that easy, but we also need to say you need to be constantly thinking, okay, what how, what can I do? What do I do naturally that um, I really enjoy? And, you know, for me, Nikki, it was I started writing. I 
loved writing without realizing. I realized I was sort of doing it every day because I then sort of built a community. But then I started because of writing. I learned about WordPress. I learned about Facebook. I learned about Instagram. I learned about Twitter. And then all of a sudden you're editing and you're podcasting and you're doing all these things and you've learned all those things at your kitchen table. Mm. Um, and what do you know about WordPress fatal errors? I've got one going on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Side, side oh, note. yeah, Nikki, I can remember when I had to learn how to do the podcast, like how to get it online. Mm. And that would have been like back in, was that 2012, I want to say? Like it was a long time ago. But I can remember the nightmare that that was of learning about feeds and trying to get the feed onto iTunes and then having to wait and then it didn't work and it was broken and why is it breaking? Oh, we had one recently, Nikki, didn't we? I think it was a couple of years ago where the podcast just stopped working. Just stopped working. <laughs> and suddenly a day later you're an expert <laughs> because you've spent <laughs> eight solid hours sitting there making it work again. But that's it. That I think we forget sometimes as adults is that's why our kids learn things. They tinker with things. They play with things because they're not worried about doing the dishes and hanging up the washing and who's going to have, what are we going to feed everyone for dinner because they're sitting in a bean bag teaching themselves how to do things online and that's that's really all it is and you need to be prepared to sit and browse and think and think about what you enjoy and where you can go with that and uh, one of the women yesterday was saying she's she's done a number of courses and I've forgotten the name of the place I will come back to you on that but they were just online courses where she'd paid you know, 30 bucks to learn about social media or 30 bucks to learn about, you know, different things. One of the things was the business that she's going to do. Um, and, and it's that take yourself down a path, spend 20 bucks to do an online course in something and decide, oh no, I hate that. Or, oh no, I actually really like, I like that. I want to know more about it. Um, but yeah, it is, it is tough, but I loved Yuli's words of wisdom I think women have been doing this for years where they seek each other out and they find each other and they support each other. And I really loved her message saying, look, if you're listening to this, um, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, this is for you. When I told my husband about Yuli, his instant reaction was about the other woman, um, which really (laughs) – Amazed me because I I said, you know, there's this message and it's really important. We're going to be talking about this tomorrow. And I told him the story of Yuli and he said, what's that other woman doing? Like, why is, why is she with him? Why would you want some bloke that has an existing family that he's not looking after? Like, what's that about? I thought, well, how did you get there? <laughs> Which are all very good points. Thank you, G. But doesn't help Uli no. in her day-to-day no. having to lift herself up and no. go on with her life. That's right. Okay, Nikki, tell me what you've been watching, reading, listening to. Okay, so I want to take a little moment to talk briefly about uh, Ukraine cast, which is, yes. and then that brings in what, what the current situation is, obviously, in the world. We're recording this and we're not ignoring the war. We know the war is very real and it's happening. And, you know, all our love to everyone everywhere. The 
BBC has bought out, just amazingly the next day, bought out a podcast called Ukraine Cast. Yes. It's brought to you by the people that bought you Brexit Cast and Newscast. Yep. And the very new and exciting Breakaway AmeriCast, which is oh, they're all those people leaving the BBC and going to a separate production company, which is very exciting. Uh. The BBC just does reporting so well and they do audio so well. And yes. it just makes you re- remember and realize that they've been doing audio for ages and ages and ages. They have all the radio stations. and and But just like the day it came out, it was just perfect. And you listen to things like The Daily and other news news podcasts and you just realize the BBC really does it at a, at a next level. And yeah. they've just had some beautiful stories and some lovely some lovely I things. Find and it I find completely different reporting, though. I, I've also been listening to Ukraine Cast, and I, I, I think it's because it's so real. It's not fluffed up, and it's not. No. It's not. Oh, look how we've pieced this music into this interview so beautifully. It's not that no. at all. It's oh wow, you are speaking to a man whose family are all in hospital because a missile hit their building, and he's. He is giving it to you real. Um, yeah. And also they've got the reporter who's reporting from the ground and his mother is in yes. Ukraine and, and they say, oh, how's your mum today? You know, it's yes. just the way they do it and they bring yes. it all together. It's just very human. It's very human. It's very relatable. And I just want to, I just want to say one more thing um, that we're really thinking of Kim Johnson, who also was an interviewee on the podcast when I was doing my alphabet soup interview days and she uh, lives in Ukraine with her family in a small village near Odessa. And she had moved to Ukraine because she and her husband went to adopt a baby and they realized when they got there that they didn't want to adopt a baby. They wanted to move to Ukraine and uh, help many, many more children and young adults get out of um, the homes that they're in, the care homes, the state-run care homes. And so they built purpose-built accommodation and they support many adults and young adults and children with intellectual and physical disabilities. And, and she does, they do amazing work. And I just was been thinking about them a lot lately. And I know that she used to listen to the podcast and if she still does, just let you know we're thinking of you and, and sending our love and all the best things that we can. Just on that, Nikki, do you ever wonder, like I, I think, you know, we've talked about all the frivolousness of our lives for the first, you know, 30 minutes here. And and it is, it's completely frivolous. You know, I'm feeling a million bucks because I'm back in Doha and I've got a pool that I can go and do laps in and I can walk on the promenade and I talk about people cleaning my bathrooms. And um, I wonder how anyone could bear listening to not just us, but anyone in everyday life, and and not to get too super serious about it, but the the people I've really been thinking about lately is the kids in Yemen and in Palestine who must be wondering why this is suddenly such a big news event. Do you know when they have been living this, such horror? And, you know, it's... it's, um, it's an absolute travesty, I think, of the world. You look at the world and you go, yep, it's great. Everyone's got their Ukraine flags on their Facebook and they're all in pure outrage. But part of me goes, is that because you can identify because all of these people are in a, you know, um, inverted commas, Western country? 
Like there's, there's a casual racism to this as someone who's currently sitting in the Middle East. You know, I'm surrounded by people whose families are living through wars at the moment and mm. their wars just yep. do not get the same airtime. So, yes, I understand if we lose a lot of listeners at this stage because our lives are so privileged and, um, yeah, it's something I've I've really, really struggled with lately wondering how you decide which ones which ones which people which which bombs you know are all more important otherwise i really do agree with that and i feel the same way and someone i know wrote a post uh, a facebook post and said you know we have to remember that you know europe previously with syria rolled their eyes about taking so many million refugees and and now they're just offering i mean the germans are offering for if you can get on a train in poland you can go to uh, from ukraine and you're ukrainian you show your passport and you can travel to germany for free you know there's all these things going on that support which the ukrainians need i'm not saying they don't need it but but there definitely is a sort of a double standard but i also think here in europe it's because we're in Europe yeah. and they're in Europe. Like we, yeah. it's just there. Yeah. I think I, that's not an excuse, but it makes it much more real to us because we can see them. We've been there. You know, everyone's sharing their photos of here when I was in Kiev and, yeah. but you know, all this sort of stuff. So I, I don't, and it's, it's relatability and I, it's not an excuse. And I really agree about Yemen and Syria and all the other places in Palestine. I, I don't dis- mm. disagree with that, but I'm just saying from the yes. point of view of, of the Europeans currently, like we're sitting at, it's at their someone said door. to me, it's at their, yeah, door. I Googled what are Germany's air defense systems. I said, good point. And I Googled what are Denmark's air defense systems. Denmark doesn't have any, they packed them up a few years ago, <laughs> costing too much. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that's, that's not a laughing matter. That's uh, but the, yeah. Anyway, shout out to everyone. And the BBC is doing a great job. If you want to know, if you don't want to yeah. watch it all day and you want to hear in that daily update, the BBC is doing a great job. Yes. Another podcast that I've been listening to is also by the BBC and it's called Fairy Meadow. Now, Kirsty, I grew up in Wollongong and Wollongong on the south coast of New South Wales and one of the suburbs of Wollongong is Fairy Meadow. Ah. And it's it's about the town where I was born and grew up in and it's about um, the 10-pound poms who came to Australia in the in the 60s and after the war in the 60s yep. and early 70s. And uh, three-year-old Cheryl Grimmer was just recently arrived in, in Australia and was with her family at the beach. Uh, she had three brothers and so her mother was packing up all the towels and things on the beach. Her, her brothers took her up. They all, Four of them went up to have a shower in the changing rooms at the beach, as you do. She ran into the girls' changing room and her brother, who was eight or nine, wouldn't go in because he was a little boy and he knew that that's what he, sh- he shouldn't do that. So he went to get his mum from the beach to get her out and when he came back, she was gone. Mm-hmm. And she's been gone ever since. And so it's been this story of, you know, it was an abduction, but it happened in January 1970, which is the year I was born. Yes. And it happened. My father was a policeman in Wollongong when this event happened. No way. So have you me, spoken to him about it? Uh, since I listened to the podcast, I have spoken to him about it. Yeah. And, but it was just, it was this story I knew nothing about. But it it made me realize, it was sort of when Wollongong lost its innocence in a way. You know, there's all these times, all these famous Australian cases of missing children, particularly mm. in South Australia. But there, yeah, it was kind of the, the time when the t- place where I grew up lost its innocence. So, and it's been reported 
by an organization in another country. And so to me, it's so interesting listening to the juxtaposition of someone from the UK reporting about the town where I grew up while I'm sitting in Denmark. It's just been a really interesting thing. And it talks about the long-term impact something like that has on the lives of all the family that involved, like the little boy that ran back down to the beach, like he's now an adult who's, who's a bit older than us. And, you know, his life has been very impacted by the events yes. that happened on that day you feel has felt a level of personal responsibility for that so it it's it's just really interesting sadly they they didn't um they haven't ever found cheryl or know what happened to her but recently something came up and so that there was a whole thing where they thought someone had confessed and it was all very recent as well so there's just been it's this whole sort of timeline of from 1970 to now and then how that impacts everybody so and of course it's a bbc podcast so it's really well done so i do recommend it if you're interested in that kind of thing i obviously had a closer interest because it was my hometown and when i was born and everything i know the beach i know you know all the places they're talking about so anyway that was good and then just lightening it up way (laughs) back to some (laughs) some bubble tv so a new show i'm watching on hulu is called pivoting Ah. and it's it's about uh the three main characters are maggie q jennifer goodwin and eliza coop or cope uh it's set in long island three women of close-knit childhood friends what they're they're four in a group and their friend dies and it's the, the first episode opens at her funeral and they, you know, they're faced with the reality that life is short and shit and everything. And so they they do things, they pivot. So one of them is a doctor who gives up being a doctor and goes and bags groceries. Oh. And, um, you know, it's just, it's funny. It's a comedy and it's just about being sort of a woman in your middle age. I think it's nice that there's a lot of more things about middle-aged women, more, you know, older yes. women. I yes. mean, they're not in their 50s. They're, they're sort of in their 30s and 40s, probably in their 40s. But it's just, you know, it's it's just light. I think it's a 40-minute episode or something. It's oh, easy to watch. Nice. And yeah. it's a few laughs and whatever. Anyway, yep. it's a bit of fun. Oh, that sounds Pivoting. good. I'm watching it on Hulu, so I'm sure it's available yeah. on a streaming platform near you. Yeah. Kirsty, what about you? What are you watching, reading? Okay. To? So this one's a bit old. It's a few weeks old, but we did, you know, we got ready for this before I was going to Doha and so it's a late recording, but it was Emma Thompson's piece in The Guardian. Did you read it about yes, living I in a woman's that. body? Yeah. So she is sandwiched sort of in between her 89-year-old mother, her 22-year-old daughter, and it's just beautifully written she's a really quick witted as you would expect with emma thompson um my favorite thing was when her 89 year old mother said why is my fanny getting bigger (laughs) to the americans out there fanny in the uk is the front of your bottom not the back of your bottom (laughs) so it was very I, i there was just a lot in it that i thought was just so beautiful and probably identified with i have a 21 year old daughter and a 76 year old mother so there was probably a lot that I thought yeah I I get it because you can see you can see I think the expression she used for her daughter was her daughter thrummed with life and I see that with my daughters of 
they're out and about they've got all the energy in the world they're working here you know they send me their their shifts for work and I know you know that they're then doing a million other things and it's like how do you get that energy for life and everything's so exciting and so good um but yeah and then I you know spend hours on the phone to my mother listening to what her life is and what a great day for her is and it might be a drive down to the bowls club to watch my the man who's inherited my father's bowl she likes to watch them go up and down the green and think of dad and you know be there and cheer the people on and you know it's a whole different speed um but yeah it's but both you know everyone living very meaningful lives but I just thought it was beautifully written and Nikki you mentioned the daily before um and I I love the daily it is a daily event for me and someone asked me the other day why and it was a few weeks ago it was some people that said they don't listen to podcasts and you know which ones do I listen to who are these people Kirsty (laughs) how can we know know people that listen to many people at the um uh the function that I spoke at yesterday who were not podcast listeners and to the point that I had to say have you seen the purple square on your iPhone (laughs) no no um which I I'm I'm kind of quite admirable about that they just haven't been sucked into the vortex of of podcasts um anyway so I was saying oh look one that I would definitely recommend is the daily because in my mind you learn something new on the daily yeah so it's not so much the news it's the stories of the people and the one that really yeah, it's the in-depth yeah and the one that really took my fancy was the birds aren't real did you oh, listen? I love that oh. episode it was brilliant I think what I loved about it and Jazz, I want a t-shirt yes me too I'm gonna get one I'm gonna get one um so the the premise of it is that and I think because I started to go down the path too. So in Doha, just so I can clarify why I started to go down the path, in Doha you can go to a park in the middle of summer and they will actually play bird sounds through the speakers in the park to make it feel more like you are in a park because obviously at that time of year birds if those particular birds were there, they'd be dropping out of the sky through heat too hot. Yeah, too hot. Um, so the whole thing was of uh, one of the uh, reporters had noticed that there was a birds aren't real um, sort of campaign going on and thought, what what is this about? People were demonstrating that birds aren't real. And when I say that, they mean real birds, as in birds with wings and little feet that tweet. Um, someone, you know, bunches of people were protesting that they, that birds were not real and their claim was was that it was a government conspiracy and that they were all loaded up with 5G and, you know, cameras and whatever and that they were watching us all the time and recording us and that they weren't real. And for a brief moment because of that moment in the Doha Park, I was like, hmm, really? Why would you think, hmm? Maybe, maybe there's something in that. Um, anyway, it turns out that the people who are doing this really it's a protest against protests and conspiracy theories because they go to the true conspiracy theory rallies and they take them off guard because when people are saying you know COVID isn't real or vaccinations are going to kill you or whatever these people are coming in with their birds aren't real to calm the farm I guess you would say and to get instead of 
protesting with anger and violence and you're all so ridiculous, um, they're being ridiculous and being ridiculous right next to them. Anyway, I thought it was great. And I know that this is meant to be about what we did like. But, Nikki, I watched Spencer on the plane and I watched it because a lot of people had told me it was amazing and I'd heard that, um, you know, Kristen Stewart was going to be nominated for an Oscar, which I believe she since has. Oh, I couldn't stand it. Oh, I thought, <laughs> thought it was terrible. Well, my new friend, Kathy Cambridge, will be happy to hear that. Oh, really? <laughs> she did enjoy the movie. Oh. Well, I can imagine she doesn't want people to enjoy it. Look, it's it's very art house. I think it's right. it's I th- I understand why Kristen Stewart would would be nominated because she does a an amazing impression of Diana, but it's very arty and it's all really based about one little weekend away and um uh yeah, it was just it was too much for me. Um I was watching it thinking we're going to see a bit more. It really is from a Diana perspective and it really is from uh, a perspective of her really kind of losing her mind um, along while having a, a horrendous eating disorder. Um, so, yeah, and, and I really felt for the kids um, as in for them as adults having to go through this whole thing of your pain that which becomes fodder to be retold and retold and retold yeah i'm not so sure will you be watching the next season of the crown oh uh, yeah yeah that's a very good point isn't it <laughs> because i love the crown yes and i i just hear everything you're saying and i totally agree with it yes and meaning i shouldn't watch the crown yes because it's it's perpetuating yes you know the next season of the crown will be the death of diana and yes. and everything surrounding that and then it'll have show those boys as little boys walking behind her coffin yes. on a tv show yeah i don't know oh totally mine is when we have all the reality tv stuff and of late there has been the it's not survivor because survivor no, because survivor's next different. level and they don't do that <laughs> Do you know what? Survivor has celebrity survivor, but they don't get the celebrities in that way to share the stories of their partner's pain. Yeah. Do you know? It's a whole different yep. thing. Whereas I know I do not watch it, but I know from watching highlights and hearing conversations like we've had both an NRL footballer and an AFL footballer, like people use these, they use these platforms as redemption stories for themselves yeah. in the media and I just I really do feel like that I feel for their victims you know the wives that were bashed um or cheated on or hurt who now have to relive it again and again and again while these people find their way back in you know into into favor with yeah it's not it's not on is it like when when is your story I don't know I don't know. Anyway, we're off topic, Nikki. I'm off topic once again. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> we're always all over the place. Yeah. Anyway, Kirsty, lovely, lovely to speak to you. Very excited you're in Doha. Oh, I think we'll speak again while you're in Doha and I'm still in Denmark. Yeah. And then then I'll be in a, we'll both be in Australia, Australia in different states. Okay. <laughs> oh, it is so easy right. doing this in the same time frame too. I know nobody cares <laughs> about that little piece of information, but I just tell you when Nikki and I are in the same hemisphere 
um, <laughs> lot, it makes podcasting a lot easier. A hundred percent. All right, Kirsty, have a lovely day. I will. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.